Okay. If you'd like to be turning, if you've got a Bible, to Hebrews chapter 11. If you've been with us, you'll know we've been in the letter to the Hebrews for some time. We arrived at chapter 11 last time we were, we were looking at Hebrews. Today I'm going to read verse 3. Hebrews 11 verse 3. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. One verse, big truth in that verse. And in Hebrews 11, the writer's stressing that we're living by faith. That God calls us and brings us into this life of faith. As we uh, quoted Ephesians 2 verse 8 last time. But Ephesians 2 verse 8 talks of God bringing us into this life of faith. By Hebrews 2 verse 8. Ephesians 2, verse 8. Here we go, it's a starting well. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourself, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. God brings us into something. Brings us into a life of believing God. And the writer to the Hebrews is exhorting his readers to persevere. To keep going. To press on in faith. We saw last time, uh, in the first, first verse of the chapter, now faith is confidence in what we, do, what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It's this sense we know, we know, we believe God, we trust that he's so solid, he's rock solid, his promise is sure. The, the future is absolutely certain in terms of where we're headed, the, the end, we know the end, Jesus wins, everything It's coming to that conclusion. God is in control. And so therefore, faith is being certain of what we hope for. There's no doubt. There's absolutely no doubt. We can trust him entirely. And he illustrates his point by going on, as we will see in future weeks, by referencing character after character. Story after story from the Old Testament. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. On and on and on. By faith, by believing God. We see these great stories. He goes on to illustrate his point like that. As he summarizes in verse 2, Faith is what the ancients were commended for. They believed God. And so we see it. But before looking at all these different characters in the Old Testament, the writer makes this fundamental point. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. You see, verse 1 Reads as if we're looking forward all the time. And in, in many ways, the focus of faith is to look forward. It's looking forward as we know we're certain of the outcome. We're certain of what is to come. But actually, it also looks back. By faith, we know that the beginning was like this. We know God did it. 
at the beginning. We know God made everything. What we see uh, in this verse is these three things. We see a big rock of truth, which secondly, we understand by faith. Thirdly, believing God and his words. That's what we're going to unpack today. But we see this big rock of truth. Quite simply, God made everything. And uh, last time I was in Hebrews, I had a lovely picture from Kezia Post of a set of traffic lights. Because obviously, if you remember, we had an illustration of a set of traffic lights. I would encourage you, if you're maybe one of the younger ones here today, if you wanted to draw something that would help you focus on what we're learning today, what we're hearing about, you could draw a picture of the world. And if you didn't want to just draw the world, in fact, you could draw a picture of the universe if you wanted to think that way. You can draw, or different ideas from that, you could draw stars, the moon, you could draw planets, you could draw mountains, anything that helps you focus on the fact of this simple truth. God made everything. And I would love to see any of those pictures at the end. But this is it. This massive rock of truth. God made everything. So when we, we, we can ask the questions, where did this all come from? How did the world come about? How do we explain the reality of what we see? It comes down to this simple truth. God did it by his command from nothing. See, God made everything. As the Bible begins, Genesis 1 verse 1, that's where it all starts. Right back in Genesis 1 and verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When the psalmist picks up in Psalm 33, he's amazed by all of this. Catches hold of this in, chapter, in Psalm 33 and verse 6. Look, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters into jars, waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. What we see in this this rock of a statement is a sovereign God. His authority, his power, his control, he is over everything for he created it all. He is over all. But also we see a creator God, a creative God. He created everything. If we put the focus there, he made everything. You may have seen, if you've been on Facebook, Mark Willoughby posting uh, something that pointed us towards a page called Kaleidoscope, which is a, a kind of a, a gathering of, uh, of people who, who are just wanting to be creative amongst uh, Christ Central Churches, promoting and encouraging creativity, promoting, stirring people to you of faith, to use their crea- creativity to glorify God. In a sense, to reflect the creator. Because you see, we can look around, all around the world, and we can see the brilliance of artists and musicians, of writers, 
the skill of engineers in building great buildings and structures. We see the wonder of paintings and designs and sculptures and great novels. And we look at it and we can see, wow, look at, the, look at how clever this is, how incredible it is that someone's come up with this. But of course, it reflects the creator of everything. We, see, we can see great creativity even in the people around us. But in one sense, our creativity only goes so far in reflecting the awesome creativity and power of God's. Which we see in this verse. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. You see, we've got some very creative people among us. I could, and I could think of... Where's Mel gone? There she is. Sorry, Mel. I can see you. You had a red T-shirt on earlier, obviously. Anyway... Mel is a very creative person. She tr- she's writing books, trying to come up with ideas and things and writing stories and coming up with, almost coming up with whole worlds in, inside a book. And in a sense, she starts with a blank page. It's hard work. It's, where do the ideas come from? What's going to happen? Wh- what words are going to come together? But if I'm really basic about it, Mel starts with a blank page or a blank computer screen. There's something there. And the ideas she's coming up with, they're not coming from nowhere. She exists in a world that's full of things around us. We've got all sorts of things we draw on. When, we build a great, when someone builds a great building, it's built out of bricks or out of steel. They don't form the building from nothing. And even the person who made the steel is making it out of something else. Kids, when you're drawing your pictures, you draw a picture on a piece of paper and with a pen or a pencil or a crayon. You've got tools and stuff to use. The same when Mel is writing a book. She has tools and ideas that are coming. They're coming out. They might be forming in her mind, but there's all sorts of things that can feed into it. Incredible creativity, and yet, this is not to belittle anyone's creativity, it's to lift us up to think, look, that's incredible, and yet God made everything from nothing. He started with nothing. Not a blank page, no page, nothing. You see, we don't create out of nothing, and yet God created everything from nothing. So that what is seen now was not made out of what was visible. As the psalmist said, for he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. And you see, the focus of this verse is by faith we understand it. Before we even get there, we cannot help but be drawn to wonder at the work of God. We can be amazed and impressed by pictures that children draw. We can be amazed by books that Mel writes. We can be amazed by paintings. And yet, it all lifts our head to see, actually, look how incredible God is. He created everything from nothing. But as I say, our author's focus is this. 
Yes, we have this massive rock of truth. God made everything by his command from nothing. But by faith we understand. And in one sense, this is simply true. Who was there? Who witnessed it? Who saw it happening? No one. How then do we understand it? How do we know? It's by faith. We understand this massive truth by believing him and believing his words. And yet, this issue of creation, of the origin of everything, is so hotly contested, so argued about, so debated. The arguments can be put forward so often as, well, it's science versus religion. It's kind of our understanding and we've, we've worked it out and we've got it. We can see the evidence versus this kind of blind faith in nothingness. It's like, no. We can see all these arguments where science explains it. There's no need for God. What about evolution, the Big Bang, dinosaurs, carbon dating? You, how old do you believe the earth to be? How old do you believe the universe to be? Can we really believe that God created the world? Can it be like the Bible says? You see, we can get these, these arguments, oh, those ideas were for a more primitive age. Who still believes in these fairy tales? It can be easy to be shaken. Easy to be worried and to be thrown by ideas like science has disproved God. There's lots of arguments. Even amongst Christians, there can be all sorts of debates and different understandings of how, how it came to be. How do, we, how do we tie up the biblical accounts with what science is telling us or with what different evidence is telling us? And people come with all sorts of different ideas. You can hear different names like theistic evolution or young earth creationism or old earth creationism or historical creationism or all sorts of different other ones that aren't labelled by those particular titles. But you see, let's come back to the point. Let's come back to the point here. Our writer, the writer to the Hebrews, doesn't deal an awful lot with a lot of detail about how it happened. But more simply, is concerned with who did it. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. Whether you believe that the earth is 16,000 years old or 4 billion years old or even older, whether you believe that the six days were exactly six days or there were six periods of time or whatever you might believe, fundamentally behind it all, here is the truth. God did it. I was helped looking at this this week, looking at different, different opinions people have put forward, different understandings of things. And then I saw this quote from Matt Hosier, who leads a church down south somewhere, I think in Bournemouth. He said this, he was doing a PhD, and he had to walk through the Natural History Museum every day. Well, he had to. He was probably quite good, actually. But he walked through the Natural History Museum every day, and he was confronted by different exhibitions on Darwin and, and his, the natural selection and all that stuff and evolution and all the different things. But he came to this, this understanding at that time. In the end, I grew weary of trying to work it all out. Weary of the aggression of the new atheists 
and weary of the dogmatism of some six days, decided to mentally park worrying about the details and simply enjoy the knowledge that God is creator and Lord of all. Now, that doesn't say that we never engage and we never look into evidence and look into all the different things that surround the understanding of the beginning of the world and the beginning of the universe. But fundamentally, this is the truth. Let us enjoy the knowledge that God is creator and Lord of all. In the beginning was God, and he created everything from nothing. But then some, for example, uh, Richard Dawkins. I'm going to quote Richard Dawkins, and I'm going to be very careful. I'm quoting Richard Dawkins being quoted by another guy in a book. This book is called Let There Be Science by David Hutchings and Tom McLeish. I'm very grateful that Liam gave it to me. Um, But he quotes Richard Dawkins. He says this, Richard Dawkins does, at the beginning of his book, The God Delusion. If this book, The God Delusion, works as intended, religious readers who open it will be atheists when they put it down. Then he checks himself. What presumptuous optimism. Of course, dyed-in-the-wool faith heads are immune to argument. Their resistance built up over the years of childhood indoctrination using methods that took centuries to mature. You see, Dawkins' understanding is that anyone who believes in God, or serious faith heads, as he puts it, are just immune to any kind of thinking or argument, any kind of reasoning. They come out, it's just some kind of blind belief in something that they've created. This kind of argument that effectively we're all going around with our fingers in our ears saying, I'm not listening for no reason at all, I think it was God. Regardless of what the evidence says, that's what I believe. This concept of blind faith. This idea that really we've just heard this idea. And he would would see verses like this in Hebrews as ammunition for it, I would imagine. Not putting words in Richard Dawkins' mouth. Oh, by faith you understand that the universe was formed at God's command. And put this whole idea, oh, well, you just believe it because you've read this word and that's it. But actually, Scripture is clear. Not that we ignore the evidence, not that we are unthinking, irrational people. But actually that the evidence, in reality, in nature itself, reveals God. Paul talks about, or hints at this, in Romans chapter 1. He's talking about the gospel, but then he, uh, he goes on to, to draw in some of this. In Romans 1 and verse 16, we'll start at. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it's written, the righteous will live by faith. Now the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Paul hints at the fact, look, everything that's been made, creation itself speaks of the glory of God. Creation itself reveals to us the glory of the one who made it. 
The psalmist goes on to, to speak of this in, in Psalm 19. Psalm 19 in verse 1. We see he's glorying at this, glorying at this. 19, Psalm 19 verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. He's got this sense that, look, mountains can't speak. The sky can't speak. And yet they're screaming out, look at God who made us. Look at God who did this. Look at the one, the only one who could ever have made this possible. As we look around, as we look up and see the stars, we see the majestic, rugged mountain peaks, glorious sunsets, incredible coastal scenes, all the complexity that we see in living things. In fact, even as scientific developments allow us to understand more and more of the world around us. We see in, in deeper and deeper detail, how can we not be amazed at the one who made it? How can we not be drawn to see, look at this, who else could have done it? How else could it have come about? But it was him. He did it. In fact, I guess in hearing arguments from certain prominent scientists, we can be either shaken or want to draw back from any kind of scientific pursuit at all. But actually, the, the wonder is that actually as we delve in, we see, look, look, look what I see about God. I, I said I was, I was um, what's the word? Grateful to Liam for giving me this book, Let There Be Science. David Hutchings and Tom McLeish. I've been reading it this week. Just that sense of us believers, as Christians, actually delving into the world, looking at, if you're, if you're involved in scientific pursuit or you work in scientific areas, go for it. Be so strengthened by the fact that this is what God has done. And as we explore more and more, actually it just reveals more and more to us of what God has done. Don't be afraid or put off. Creation points to the creator. It evidences him. But further than that, in talking of blind faith, Dawkins and others who talk, talk this way miss the point about true faith completely. That it isn't blind. I.e., we haven't just picked up any old dusty book from a shelf, opened it up and read a few things that we think, oh, that sounds quite good. I'm going to believe that. For no other reason than I quite like the book. No. We don't just believe some dusty old book. We're believing the living word of God. Because faith is believing him. Because of who he is. Who he has revealed himself to be to us. Yes, by his word. But foremost, as the writer to the Hebrews started... By his Son. God has revealed himself to us. Hebrews 1 verse 1 and 2. 
In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. You see, faith is believing a God who has revealed himself to us. Faith is believing one who has, who has worked into our lives. Faith is, is believing the God who sent his son to save us. He's revealed himself by his son and by his Holy Spirit. You see, this isn't blind. It's trusting the God who is at work in us. The God who is at work in his world. The God that we know. The God who ultimately is the one who gives us faith. As Ephesians 2, 8 told us. Believing the God who, as Amy so wonderfully testified earlier on, is with us in every situation. Whether we've understood it or not at the time, and we've thought, oh, what's going on? We can look back and see, no, God was there. I know, I can see, it's evidenced by how he worked in me. Faith isn't blind. It's evidenced by the work of God in us. It's, it's built on a God who is faithful. And we see his work. So therefore, faith, by faith we understand that the world was created by his command. It's not blind either. We believe. We believe it because we believe God. Because of who we know him to be. Because of who he is. Therefore, we can believe this. When he says, I made the world... Well, we believe him because he is faithful. We see the evidence of it around us. We see the evidence in creation, but we believe God because God is faithful. We're not taking a stab in the dark at some kind of unknown quantity. We know him, and so we believe him. And because of who God is, because of how faithful, how wonderful, how awesome we know him to be, we can have confidence and not be shaken. This big rock of truth, God made everything. We can believe and understand by faith. But I would argue that this impacts more further, and what the writer is saying impacts further than just the specific issue of creation. Because the writer is calling his readers to believe God and to believe his words. Believe him. Believe what we read in this book. Believe what he says to us. The writer's calling us to know his word as the authority of our lives. See, is, do we believe that God's word is true? Do we believe that God is true? Or does he need to fit in somehow to what everyone else says? Does he need to, is it, is it God who needs to somehow fit in to what science is revealing? Is it God who needs to somehow fit in to what the world around us says? Now, our understanding, our interpretation of Scripture may need to adjust. And, and I say that carefully. I don't mean that we stop believing it. But we, we learn and we understand more. God reveals more more fully how to understand his words as we go on. We, as humans, can get things wrong. 
But what are we fundamentally believing? Are we believing that his word is true and that he is true or not? Where is our starting point? What is our authority on everything? Is it here in his word and in his truth? Or is it popular culture? Is it what scientists say? Is it the supposed more sophisticated understanding and ideas of the 21st century? I would call us, let's believe God and his words. Topi Colioso at New Day said, uh, said this when he was speaking about Daniel. He was preaching, he said these words, stick to the book and stick to books that speak well of the book. Talking about the Bible. And he wasn't so much saying, in fact he wasn't saying, don't read other books, don't go there, just this is it. In fact, I'm sure he would agree that there is great value in reading all sorts of things. But actually, let's pay attention to, let's fix our eyes on, let's find authority and truth in his words and in what he says. He was speaking about Daniel, who was taken into a foreign land, an alien culture, not one that believed God, not one that, ha- that shared his ideas or beliefs, one that had his own I- their own ideas and beliefs, which sounds somewhat familiar. And Daniel stood firm on the truth that he knew about God, on the God that he knew. Stick to the book. Continue to believe God and his words. We're called to grow and mature in him. So we won't be shaken by other ideas. Paul, when he's talking to the church in Ephesus, kind of touches on this. He's saying how uh, in Ephesians 4, In Ephesians 4, how gifts are given to the church to build up and equip the church for works of service. But he comes to this in verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Let's say very simply from this verse, let's believe him. Let's believe God. Let's believe his truth. That we won't be shaken, we won't be tossed about by other ideas or other thoughts. But we'll believe God and his truth. Fundamentally knowing that he is the one who created everything. He is the one who brought it all into being by his powerful word. And knowing that he has spoken to us through his son, through his word, through his spirit. And we can trust him. Amen.